Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast. Um, today's video is about, I went to India about a month and a half ago and while so many miraculous things happened, if someone asked me, and they did, one key takeaway or lesson or something I can bring back to share, um, it's living from the heart instead of the head, moving from head to heart. That's what I learned there the most. And I think to understand this first, you kind of have to have the spiritual or philosophical basis to see that what we really are is, is pure awareness, that it's not Alex, that it's who I think I am, not just my thoughts, but who I think I am, my entire structure of self is only relatively, relatively real. It's fabricated. One could say it's illusion. It wasn't here before I was born. It wasn't here when I was a baby. It won't be here when I leave. It's like a modem, like a vehicle I entered into, like a spacesuit I entered into, not just body, but mind to function on this plane of reality. But everybody gets identified with the spacesuit, especially everyone in the West. Um, because we're taught about psychology and analyzing our thoughts and our judgments and our resentments and are we getting what we want and what we need. Well, it turns out, which I already knew this, but this solidified it for me more, that there's much more than that. And that we're much more than this tiny little ego we pack ourselves into be. And there's a way of moving from the head to the heart in which one gets caught less in all of these games, right? The minute you start to tell stories like about judgments or angers or how people are looking at you, you step back for a second and realize that there's not even a you to defend, right? There's one process going on with everyone and everywhere. And it really showed me a lot of our psychology and therapy that we think is so effective, maybe that's why it's not so effective, is uh, it actually just most of the part, not always, but a lot of the time it can be helpful, but it mires you more in the illusion. It makes you take your ego games more seriously. And for whatever you put into it, it's an endless web that you can keep just <clears throat> basking in your whole life and you'll never really change and you'll never really do anything for your soul. Where instead, there's a way in which one can live as awareness and then the body's still functioning, the mind's still functioning, the personality's still there, but one doesn't take it as seriously. In a book I just read by a Tibetan Buddhist monk called In Love With The World, Yangi Mingyur Rinpoche, he says, these arrows that are shot at us when we feel attacked or emotions, if we have a rigid sense of I, of Alex, of self, these arrows are really, these arrows are really painful. But if my sense of self is more fluid, right? If I can ask, who am I really? And I'm not so identified with any label of myself, then who is it that feels the shame or the judgment or the embarrassment or the anger? Who is it that experiences these feelings? So if you can inquire into the nature of these things, 
and you feel the feeling arise, but what is it if you don't label it? Who is it occurring to? You say, oh, it's occurring to me. It's occurring to I, but there isn't one. And that's the stick that most people don't want to hear and aren't ready to hear is that this treasured, treasured, beloved version of yourself you've created, though well, maybe you hate it, maybe you love it, or a little of both, is not actually real. Or you could say it's relatively real. Just like Einstein's uh, e equals mc squared, under some conditions, it appears real, and in other conditions, it doesn't. And if one could see through that veil, one could see that we're not just that. And so one of the biggest lessons I learned in India is like putting the game down, you know? Um, and it's tricky because you try and you might be dealing with other people that cannot put the game down. But I've been moving more quickly to my heart because it's like we are here for a blink of an eye, like a finger snap, like one moment in eternity, basically nothing. There's a song by Lauren Dangle that says, if you've ever seen fireworks light up the night sky, then you know how quickly time goes in the blink of an eye. So do you want to be stuck in your head for like all the head stuckness you've been doing for all these years? What has it ever done for you? Right? But instead, can we move into the heart and come back to love more quickly? we get caught less. When we do get caught, we notice and we can laugh at ourselves. It's this cosmic humor. So until you get rid of this rigid sense of self-identity, there's no possibility whatsoever of being free because you don't realize that you're in prison. So the first thing about escaping prison is you have to realize you're in it. So if you walk around the whole time thinking you're free, no escape is possible, which is what George F., the Russian philosopher, used to say. Once one realizes that one has been imprisoned by oneself, then the opportunity for freedom arises. And so that's what I encourage for myself and anyone else is um, being able to get out of the head a little bit and move into the heart. And it doesn't mean you lose your thoughts and it doesn't mean your thoughts stop. And it doesn't mean you can't use the mind but you're not exclusively identified with it. And you can live more from intuition, more from soul. And in conclusion, I think what I, what I would say and how my understanding works is that the really the basis of this all is realizing that there is no separate self. The ego structure is just relatively real. It's not everything. Because if you come with it from that understanding, then you function in the world but it's like Jesus said, you're in the world, but not of it. You understand that it's kind of like a game. It's just like stuff going on, right? It's just all this is stuff going on, right? So if you look at the leaves blowing, you're like, oh, beautiful leaves blowing, or the rivers flowing, beautiful rivers flowing, or mountains, or you look at animals eating each other in the wild, oh, that's just in their nature. Or you look at an anthill, it's just in their nature. But when it comes to you and when it comes to humans, you really like think you're a big deal, you know, really get caught in these thoughts and really judge other yous basically is what it is. You're judging other yous, other aspects of yourself. Um, but we're all here together and we're all doing it to each other. 
So if I learned anything from India, I, I would say the biggest takeaway is moving from the head to the heart, right? Which to someone who's not even experienced being outside of the mind might not even make sense. But I just encourage you to maybe live from a little deeper space of love and just notice when thoughts arise, which is all day, all the time. Try to think, to whom do these thoughts arise? And notice the little spaces in life, whether it's right when you're coming awake from sleep or a nap, or when something exhilarating happens, or something beautiful and the mind kind of stops for a second, when it kind of breaks. Notice those chances to touch your real awareness. Because if you don't know that, then you miss them and you don't realize what they are. And you just say, oh, I went out of my mind or I lost my mind or I don't know what happened. Well, that was you went out of the fake ego structure that you boxed your, you went out of the jail and you were confused. And now you're back in the jail because it's comfortable. Um, and so it is scary and I'm afraid of leaving my sense of self. And most people think ego means um, like better than or worse than, right? But ego means I, and it's your entire self. That's why in India they say the great saints are <clears throat> the living dead, or they say die before you die because they have died to that fake self while they are still living in a body. And so they're free even while embodied. And that's what we can do. So not everyone in India, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be westernized and stuff, but the traditional culture and the spirit of it is, um, you know, you'll run into people, we feed people in the slums whose home is like two sticks and a blanket and the babies don't even have, um, they're naked, some of them don't even have underwear, you know? And these people are like so present so clear and then there's others that are just not like living in the slums but still much poorer when you go in the hills than anyone that we would uh than any living standard in the united states you know even our people in poverty would have higher um you know toilets and electricity and air conditioning and stuff and you and then when i tell people this they think well maybe they're just so miserable they just have to convince themselves it's okay and accept it no, that's because we can't even see outside of our way of thinking and being. But understanding there's a different way to live in the universe. And the Indian people have an understanding of karma and reincarnation. So they know like this is my karma. This is my spot on the journey. This is where I'm at for this finger snap. And that's what it is. And so we can live um, more in freedom when we're not so attached to results, outcomes, and expectations. And so this is the message that I leave you with. Thank you for letting me share. Um, I am going back to India next year, certainly, and possibly this year for Yatra, for spiritual pilgrimage. And anyone who would love to or feel that calling, um, please find my contact information through these talks in the descriptions and reach out to me. Thank you so much.